This episode of the Round 6 Podcast is brought to you by Trailer Tug, the world's strongest trailer dolly. Learn more at TrailerTug.com. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion featuring a variety of automotive subjects, interviews, special guests, and stories. Hosted by the Round 6 Gearheads, Brian Stubsky, Alex Welsh, and Brad King. Joining the Gearheads here on episode 59 is the legendary vehicle graphics and lettering master, Burt Quimby of Burt Graphics. Welcome to the Round 6 Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Alex. I'm Bert. There we go, man. Hey, uh, welcome to the show from uh, all the way from Jersey, Mr. Bert Quimby. How's it going, man? Good. Real good. How you guys doing? Good, Bert. Thanks it's for coming on. Good. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Cool. We are spectacular, man. We were just, we were talking off air and it's, it's so good to have you on and it, you're a guy who... Got, Brad, you and I have talked about this for forever. You know, thinking, man, we gotta we gotta get a lettering guy on. We gotta get somebody. It's gotta be somebody great. And here we are with you, dude. And you've got like hey. a storied history, man. You, yeah, I guess I, I do, right? You do. <laughs> whether whether you like to or not, I will come <laughs> up with one for you. You know, you know what it is. You never think of that. You never think of what you did. You're just doing it. I guess if you look back, it's uh, it's actually it was pretty fun. The whole time still having fun badass and you've been you've been doing this now for what do you got 35 plus yeah, about years? 37 years i think 37 oh, and i don't want to make you feel old but the I'm first old. time i saw your work was in a copy of signcraft magazine that a family friend who started their own sign shop had just kind of slid across the table it was like hey you draw check this out cool. and i think that was maybe like had to be sophomore year of high school, so like maybe 87, 88. Yep. Right on, I think right on the money. I think it was somewhere around there. First time that I had something in uh, Sonicraft. I think it was like 87. Crazy. When I first opened my shop, man, I was, yeah. It was 87, right? Yeah. Somewhere around there. 87, 88, yeah. somewhere, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. So we're a bunch of old guys is what we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not old. Yeah. Experienced. Vintage. Ooh, vintage <laughs> with lots of patina yeah exactly well like i told brad before i've been doing the same thing i've been doing since i was 16 and getting away with it so it's uh <laughs> it's pretty pretty cool i've just been you know lettering or airbrushing or whatever and just kind of what i do every day just just got a little bit older and maybe a little bit more responsibility but that's about it still like the same deal for me still a lot of fun trying you know, do better the next day. I don't kick it up or whatever you want to call it. You know, you see somebody else do something cool. And now with the invention of, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you know, it's like we're seeing daily what everybody's doing, which is really cool. Where Signcraft, you had to wait like two months to come out and a certain person was in it or whatever. And maybe you've seen that, like if Brad was in it, you'd only see him like once every four or five years in, in there. And you never knew what anybody was doing. Most of your stuff just ended up basically were painting for, you know, the bunch of towns surrounding you. Those were the people who were saying it, not the world. You know, you paint something, you can put it up in uh, two seconds and the world sees it, which is 
that that's definitely a mind blower for me you know after doing it all this time that's um, crazy man and like and even with all that stuff getting posted every day your stuff has a signature style that i don't get me wrong it, it's fun to watch it you know kind of like progress over the years and kind of yeah. change a little bit but man you've got a definite there, there's a dna to your stuff that is pretty crazy. I I would I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like when you look at your own stuff, you know, you just you're doing what you're doing, and when you look at everybody else's, you're like you're just doing what everybody else is doing, but maybe just a little different. But you know, that's what everybody tells me. Oh, I know your stuff. I see your stuff around. I know you did that. I get I get I guess it's like a signature. It is, and may, maybe one time for like a week, just post somebody else's stuff just yeah, to I throw. Can <laughs> I can just put a bunch of vinyl up. I will I will specific I will make it a point every day then to go on to your stuff and go, man, your stuff has so much more dimension these days. Wow. Yeah. Shade it to the right. (laughs) For for the benefit of our listeners and stuff like that, how did you get started in this whole mess? My ninth grade art teacher in school brought in a nineteen dollar badger airbrush. We had some Indian ink, and you just put it in. It was it was real. I can't. It wasn't even really like the airbrush, like a cheap airbrush. It was. I can't even explain it. it had uh, air cans that you hooked up to. It wasn't even. Oh, compressed. right. The aerosol can. <laughs> yeah. Two cans. Yeah. And I remember she didn't know how to use it. She just had it. I guess the school had it, and I broke it out, and I did like a, a fan of color. Like I took an edge of a business card and sprayed like. Uh, yellow, then an orange, then a red, then a blue, all the colors that I had. And it was just like a, you know, like a rainbow of color with an edge on it. I was like mesmerized by it. And that's basically what started it. And I always liked cars and stuff like that, you know, any kind of hot rods and stuff like that. And that, I think, I think that was about the time funny cars were starting to be really crazy, like cool with Glenn and Nat Quick, lettering them in Youngblood and uh, Kirby painting them. That's where I think I, I really got the fire when I was school and in high, you know, high school, and I wanted to do it. Seeing all that stuff, and I was like, man, I, I just want to get out of school and paint funny cars because they were so cool back. It was just kind of like a, you know, like a dream. And I was lucky because Glenn Weisgerber, who lived in New Jersey, some of his vehicles would run around. He he was about 45 minutes from me, so. It wasn't close, but you would see a vehicle every now and then that he lettered in. He'd letter it like a funny car, you know, with all air. He'd airbrush the lettering and the, the wild scripts and all that and put pinstriping on them. And he's probably the one who started the, the crazy airbrush work on trucks out here. That's how it all started for me, just just seeing basically Glenn's stuff. He was like, he was like my idol. I, I just wanted to do everything like him. Just wanted to letter funny cars. And it was cool. He was getting flown you know, to the West Coast, he was doing cars, he was doing cars here, and then he was painting for uh, Circus Custom Paint, which is like Bob, Bob from Circus was doing every major funny car on the East Coast then. One of his most famous one, Jungle Jim, that right. kind of thing. So I don't know if you guys remember any of that. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mostly everybody does, yeah. And then, like I was saying before, I painted a, a van because some guys – I. I basically was airbrushing, I think, since I was like, I don't know, picked it up since ninth grade and was crude and everything, but I was doing what I could do. And then I finally got a, a van job to airbrush a van. And they wanted uh, 
that show with J.J. Walker, Good Times, uh, the opening of it, uh, it was like a mural of the uh, ghetto or whatever. And they wanted that reproduced on their van, which I did. And as best as I could and as crew as I could, but I thought it was great, you know. Then from there, um, Bob from Circus had seen the vehicle because it went down to Mr. J, who was next door for people that don't know. Um, same building, a door separated Mr. J and uh, Circus Custom Paint. They, uh, it was probably some wild times. And uh, they, <laughs> Mr. J was pinstriping the van that I had airbrushed. And Bob went next door, seen it, and he seen my name on it. And he gave me a call, told me to come down. Went down there, and the day I went down there, Glenn was lettering the uh, Mr. Budweiser. It wasn't Kenny Bernstein's car. It was Roy Harris's car. It was a white, funny car with the Bud Man on it. He was out to lunch, and I was just like, I couldn't believe Glenn was there. I was finally going to meet him and everything. So I was waiting for him for you know a little while after I was talking with Bob about painting. Went over and visited Mr. J. Came back. He still wasn't there. He never showed up. He never came back. So I, I was a little crushed. <laughs> <laughs> And I told him that, you know, so because I became really good friends with Glenn a little farther down the line. But from, from there, then I was just doing my painting thing. And about five or six years later, uh, Bob from Circus called me up and asked me if I think I painted a motorcycle for him. Not painted, but striped it and lettered it for him. And then my first funny car was Sammy Miller's uh, Jet Funny Car uh, Vanishing Point. Mm -hmm. and, and that's basically my first car I ever did for him and that started the ball rolling I was I was kind of lucky because um Glenn was in a rock and roll and he would get like these like he gets sick of lettering and stop lettering and he'd go rocking for a while and he was kind of he left like like it wide open because everybody wanted their cars lettered so I was lucky because I copied everything he did I wanted to be just like him so I just tried to emulate what he was doing and that's how i got my foot in the door at circus because i could kind of copy what glenn was doing probably not as good but it was good enough at the time and the ball just started rolling from there so it was pretty cool there was nothing like lettering a race car down at circus it was a lot of fun there was nothing like going there in the morning i used to i used to meet uh, uh this was after uh he started out in lynhurst then he he moved to vermont and that's where i did my my first bunch of funny cars like custom body Dodge and Twilight Zone and wow. uh, I'm trying to think of what I did up there. Um, I'm going to interrupt, but I, my, I have yeah. dude, I, I know every one of these cars you're talking about. This yeah, is, yeah. I, mean, I studied this stuff because this is what I wanted to do. So yeah. yes, I I know all these cars. So keep <laughs> well, going. Didn't mean to interrupt it, you. It was it was pretty crazy because. The first time I went up to Vermont, it was like it was probably like about four or five hour trip from here from where I was. So I had lettered Sammy Miller's rocket car at his house. I never actually lettered it down at Circus. So my first time lettering anything for Circus was up in Vermont. Drove up there and we hit traffic and I didn't get up there till like three o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, now you're tired, you're excited. And Bob was a really cool guy. I had met him, you know, earlier did a few things and I did the uh, Twilight Zone yeah it was the Twilight Zone funny car up there I don't know how long of a span it was it had to be pretty short like maybe a month later or something he called me and he asked me if I wanted to do a funny car called Poverty Stricken so you know you guys know that one yes I do yeah so, it's crazy. <laughs> so I, 
I went up there and I did that and I was lettering that and I was almost done with that. And I'm talking now we're into four o'clock in the morning or whatever. There was another funny car sitting next to it and it was all painted up ready to go. And I didn't know what it was. And he goes, you know, and he looks at me, he's like, you want to letter that one right there? I was like, yeah, all right. And I, I was like, I was ready to go to sleep. I was, I was done. Spent all day lettering the first one. And I started on that one and then it had the old funny cars had like a, I guess like about a six inch, I don't even know, like a shelf running through the middle of the car. So you had to actually put the lettering in the middle of the car and it was like a big ridge, like you were, it was flat, then step, stepping up and then stepping down. It's like, it was like a step on a, on the side of a car. It was the custom body Dodge and I did it and I, I basically, I didn't think it was good enough and we wiped it all off and Glenn wound up doing that one. I got I got my shot at uh, one of the custom body Dodges. I think he, like a year later, I went back up there and lettered one for him, which was kind of cool because I think I lettered the last the last custom body uh, funny car that he ever uh, did. That was a neat one. I'm trying to think of the ones I I've done. I did I did a lot of Joe Amato cars, um, a lot of dragsters. Uh, for See, Joe. I, I remember a lot of the Amato stuff that you did. It, it, yeah. The, the other day on Facebook, there was some stuff, and I was like, man, I remember you working on Amato stuff. That oh, was- God, that was a workout because everything was done at the time. There was no computers or anything like that. It was all either you're laying it out with a Stabello, you, you know, Brad, direct to the car, or um, you made, you know, crude pounce patterns just so you could kind of follow it a little bit. Joe's cars, he always wanted all the decals painted. I don't think. A lot of people know that, but every, every single decal was painted on that car. Joe was really particular about like placement because of money. He was, he was a smart businessman. He was a millionaire back then. You know, the closer to the cockpit of the car, that's who paid the most money. And at the time, if you remember, TRW was probably number one on that car. I'm trying to think who was next. He owned Keystone Automotive Warehouses. He supplied like the Eastern Seaboard, I think, for with automotive parts. His place was the warehouse where everybody got this, all the speed shops got their parts. So, um, he's out here too. Is it? Yeah. Is he out here? Yeah. 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 Stone's big out here too. Yes. Yeah. It's probably crazy big now. I mean, it was, it was big. I remember, I think Joe at the time, I remember him being like about 38 years old and he was like a multimillionaire. And I remember I was, I was lettering a dragster there. I, I always went there to do them uh, at a shop. I only lettered maybe one or two at my shop. I always go out there and I remember the one day uh, I'm lettering his car and he pulled up in a, a Ferrari Testarossa when they were new. It was like 88. <laughs> and I was like, I never seen one of them in person, you know? So he gets out and I was like, just looking at it. And I was like, he, he like gives me the keys. He goes, take him for a ride. And I was like, are you kidding me? I, I didn't, though, because I, I was too afraid of the car. I didn't I don't want to. could think was, you know, crashing the thing. He was a really cool guy. I did a, I did a lot of stuff for him. And he used to have a lot of fun there. We used to even uh, hand paint, you know, the, the race hauler, like 52 foot, do all the lettering on those. The one time I went there, and uh, I think it took a week to do a car and a, and a, a race hauler. And... I think that's where I got fast because you just wanted to, it had to be done because they were going racing, but you wanted to make it clean and tight and it was crazy, you know? I had some pretty good times there. I used to, when I used to go there, I used to hang out with uh, Tim Richards, the engine builder. I don't know if you guys remember oh, him. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was crew chief for a number of yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. See, everybody, 
I think they, everybody was afraid of him, but they might have got the wrong impression, like he was grumpy or something. But he loved me because I didn't ask him one question about engines because they know nothing about engines. So whenever I was there, we used to eat dinner together all the time. And I think I, ne- I never asked him one question about an engine or a part ever. And he loved that. I used to hang out with him all the time because he was always there building the, the engines. I remember one time I was doing dinner with him. And we were sitting there. He's like, let's go get something to eat. And he was building, at the time, there was six Keith Black uh, racing engines all lined up. I mean, you guys know how much that stuff is. I, I, I knew, too, what it was. And I was like, man, I, c- I couldn't believe just what it took for a top fuel team. It was uh, some crazy times. I got to see some cool stuff and letter a lot of neat looking cars. Now here I am doing trucks. You know? Like with, with your door art especially, is it a lot more Italian names than it is any other ethnicity? Well, it's Jersey. It's New York, you know? Jer- oh, New yeah. Jersey, tri-state area, you know? Yeah, it's funny when you, when you think about that. How the landscapers back there have these badass trucks. You see the ones out here. It looks like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, wow. No, nah, this this here, everybody, everybody's got to look good. And uh, I mean, the average truck I'm lettering now, I mean, like a Ford F-350 or something like that. It's like 70 grand. I just did one that was over 100 grand. It was 101,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, yeah, my youngest, my younger brother works for Ford on the Super Duty line, and he was telling me that some of the, the high end, the King Ranch stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. right about what you're saying. That the average price for a work truck now with a plow on it, you know, because all the guys uh, plow too, probably, I would say average is about seventy grand they're spending. So, and then where I come into play is they want them to look good, you know. So they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks on lettering on a seventy thousand dollar truck. It kind of came into into vogue, so so to speak, because um, when I started, you know, maybe a pickup truck cost, you know, thirty five hundred dollars, and so you know you got the the old sign painter that slapped some lettering on it for hundred fifty bucks, and everybody was happy. Then I came along and. Uh, I wanted to airbrush, but airbrush fades on it, and the old timers didn't dig that at all. They were they were not into that. It's it's kind of come full circle because I enjoy uh, uh, doing block lettering now with a with a sign painter shade. It's weird how you like it goes full circle with that. So maybe maybe you could uh, you could end a fight between Brad and I. Which okay. side do you put the majority of your drop shadows to? I go right all the time because it's easier for me. I never, I never do left. If you look at all my stuff, I very rarely ever do a le- left-handed shade because I think it just looks better. It lifts it for some reason more than it does to the left. You agree? I agree, a hundred percent. Well, yeah, Brad, it, it just looks like it's stepping. <laughs> Brad, you do left? You serious? I do whatever. <laughs> What's easier mine, for you, mine Brad? Dropped to, mine dropped to the bottom right. It just looks like it's lifting better to me when, it, when my, you do it. go to the bottom right like you do. I, only, I, I see leftist being really difficult to do for a right-handed, you know, primarily yeah, right-handed letterer. But that's yeah, usually that's... what everybody does. Everybody yeah. shades like that for some mm-hmm. reason. I've just always liked it, you know, to the right. It always just looked right to me. So, What, what do you think there, Brian? Well, dude, I, I'm in agreement with him. I don't uh, – you, you want me to always change it no matter what side I put it on. It's always <laughs> – it's not good enough for Brad. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, he's just so full of crap. <laughs> he's such a liar. I I have I have the conversation recorded. <laughs> Brad's like, why don't you move your drop shadow to the other side? And really? Like, why don't you shut up? 
I take criticism from everybody, man. My, my, my wife's been looking at my stuff for 35 years. And <laughs> when she says it doesn't look right, I change it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of, oh, man, how do you go? I mean, it's obvious how you go. I mean, you go where the, the work is. That's kind of yeah. funny, though. I mean, you, you literally you went from, like, living the dream as a kid to right. doing stuff that you just flat out enjoy now. Yeah, and exactly. That, keeps yeah. a roof over your head and does all that great stuff because it's just kind of funny uh, you got to wonder too like we talked off air we had said how you know with the advent of instagram and facebook and all of the social media everybody in the world can see your stuff yeah. so like back in the day tons of people saw your work on the funny cars yeah. i'd be willing to bet that multiples of those people now see your work on like a landscape truck yeah absolutely Absolutely. That's kind of funny how that works out, man. It's like, yeah. you know, the day-to-day -day stuff is probably far more visible. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think there's more freedom because when I was doing those funny cars, even though they were cool, like I was working off of like a Kenny Youngblood design. Like a lot of them from Circus were designed by Youngblood. I mean, that was a thrill to get to do, you know, one of one of his uh, paint schemes and letter what he put down or whatever. And I think there was... I don't know if you guys remember Greg of Zupco. He was mm -hmm. doing a lot yep. of them. And David Peters, the uh, circus, uh, he liked them. And Dave was doing a bunch of them. I'm trying to think of the guys. I was I was actually, it was weird because the designs, I would do a lot of race car designs like paint schemes. A lot of them, I didn't letter, I, whether they were in a different state maybe or something like that. But uh, for some reason, uh, the majority of mine, I didn't even letter. I did other guys that like, like I said, Youngblood. I did a lot of a lot of the ones he designed and Abzuko, Larry Williams. I think he did a few that he did. I'm trying to think of the guys. It, it, it was pretty cool. It was, a, it was a neat time. There was nothing like going down. Well, after after uh, Circus was in Vermont, he moved down to New Jersey again. I used to go down there and wet on him. And he had they had a really cool shop. He was with a guy named Jesse Lejeune. He teamed up with him, and Jesse was a great painter too. And they used to knock out the cars there. And there's nothing like getting the call to go do it. And I'd, I'd always meet uh, Bob Gertis because I was like an early riser. So I'd always meet him at 6 o'clock in the morning to have breakfast before I started. Just going over there and you open the door to circus. And there it was wall-to-wall -wall race cars in, in candy colors. And it was like a kid in a candy store. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I try to explain that to people how that was that like i i can just remember opening the door and seeing every cool candy color you've ever imagined in your life on all these cars and then you were going to get to go in and play on it and get paid for it uh, uh, that was definitely cool now i look back i definitely realized it back then when i look back now i just i, I can't believe i actually got to do it it's, it's, it's definitely a mind blower the race car stuff i went through i'm like transitions you know i said do trucks. I'm doing a lot of bikes now. I did. I went through a period where we were lettering offshore boats too. I mean, before vinyl came along again. So <laughs> that, that was big in Jersey. There's a lot of offshore uh, racers here. I did my fair share of them too. It's a lot, a lot of fun. I got to do a lot of different stuff. I don't think people coming into a business today, they don't get to do what, what, what I got to do because you know, a sign painter did everything, you know, from a race car to, you know, a building sign or whatever. You know? right so, yeah. He's making me smile right now because that's <laughs> so true. 
I, yeah. a lot of stuff that you don't get to, you know, the days of the funny cars and the fuel and all that, because everything's gone to wraps. So that's, yep. that's it's all gone. And, uh, yep. but, but I get to be part of that, you know, for years I was part of it deal. Yeah. It's and, fun. It was and, fun. So these younger guys are going, you know, well, you know, how did you get good at this? Well, I was doing a lot of it. I mean, it was just a nonstop. You're always doing it. So it was, yeah. You, ha- you better get good because those things were always on a deadline. Right, Brad? You know, oh, yeah. it, you always got called in 15 hours before it had to go. So <laughs> my thing was always it, 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 you had to plan the attack. Like It was like, how am I going to letter this, airbrush it, lay down some gold leaf, pinstripe all the all the lines on all the colors because back then there was like you know 25 colors on one car so you were splitting every color and that's where i got good at pinstriping just pulling lines on a funny car or, or dragster then you're you're like and then you you don't even realize then you got to airbrush the headlights and taillights and the grills and that was a job in itself and you were doing them well i did them in one shot we never did them in your thing because there was no time you know or or lacquer you know it was just like do them as quick as you can and try and make them as cool as you can. So I was always doing, I did all my funny cars were in a uh, one shot, uh, the grills and the headlights. So I don't, I don't know about anybody else. I've done that a few times. I don't do it that way anymore, but yeah, done that way a few times. Yeah. I, I maybe the only one, maybe clear coat and maybe Stratton was clearing them or, uh, John Pugh. Cause John was painting and lettering them all. So, I mean, he, he he definitely had control of it when it went, and he knew the time, so maybe he had time for that. Pretty sure he was. I I never got to do that. It was always like one one day I could. Di- I think I lettered funny car. Maybe it take me about sixteen to twenty hours straight, and it was gone. And that never got a second day on it. Never. That's a, that's just the way he had it set up. So you either <laughs> you either had to get it done or you didn't. And then if you didn't get it done, he wasn't going to be calling you the next time. So he wanted it gone. Bob was a really cool dude. To where he definitely pushed me to do my best without actually saying, "Oh, I don't like that" or whatever. He used to watch watch me letter a lot, and he'd come over and then he'd go, "He's like, you gonna leave that like that?" Then I turn around and look at him. I go, "What do you mean?" And he's like, "Oh, nothing." And I'd be like, <laughs> "Do you like it or don't?" He goes, "No, it's good. You can leave it." He would never tell you to wipe anything off. It never, he never did that, but he'd always just, and sometimes he was just busting you, you know, are you going to leave that like that? You know, no one knows those backstories, all, all the, there was some crazy stuff, man. He was, it was a lot of fun. That's why it was called circus. It was, it was definitely cool to do that stuff. Pretty Some lucky. of the stuff that was done in that shop was legendary. And I'm, I don't know whether the uh, statute of limitations still applies to some of that stuff, but. It, Holy God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Their stuff yeah. that they did out of that shop was legendary. <laughs> yeah. Even before I, I even got there, like in the 70s, those guys, they were, it was pretty wild. I basically came at the tail end of that in like, I guess it was like 81 or something like that. Yeah, like 81. I had, Like I said, I had visited them in like 77. So I was almost like, it's almost like you, uh, you're an actor and you got an audition. You didn't get a call back for six years, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> then you finally get the call and, you know, once you get your foot in the door, you know, you better make it good because there was very few guys he was asking to letter those things back then. So, and I was, I was lucky enough. I think he liked me too. Might've been that. He might, might have let, like, you know, fret friends or whatever. It was pretty, pretty fun. 
I always used to laugh. I guess it wasn't the first shop that he had. It was kind of almost in a residential area. Yeah, well, that, it was residential. Yeah. yeah, and they said that there, right before the race season would start, the street would be lined with funny car bodies. Oh, my God, yeah. And <laughs> when I tell you it was uh, cars parking on, on the left side and the right side, there was barely enough for a transporter to get down the, the road. I mean, it was that <laughs> tight. Like when they loaded up, they'd have to um, basically park in the middle of the road and load the car up. There was there was absolutely no room, and it was we- weird where they were, um, Mr. J's shop and Circus. It was just like if you looked at it, you would be like, I can't believe that Circus Custom Paint. It was just like a little. It wasn't intended to be a business. It was like a garage in back of an old like apartment building. Um, maybe there was. I think it was like maybe two or three apartments to the left, and then it had this little garage. Well, not little. It. I think he could have fit about five or six cars in there. Mr. J had the shop next to it, which he could fit a truck in there. It was on an angle. And it was it was kind of uh, half blocked by the uh, house. So get it was never intended to have a, a truck go in there, more like a car. It was on an angle, so he used to have a tough time getting some of the vehicles in there. But that's basically what it was. It was residential. It was a couple blocks in from the main street. you know. But it, it was world famous, you know, so it, who cared? While you were doing all that stuff, and you're working on super tight deadlines, like yeah. you said, you know, you had to do headlights, taillights, and stuff like that. Did you ever fall into like, you know, you had kind of a a set routine for doing a set of headlights or taillights, or would you kind of improvise a Just lot of improvise times from job to job? Cool. Every single time. I, I, and the funny part was, is I, I'm trying to think of the cars that I did like with what brand. I think like a. Like a Ford Tempo, I think, was one of the bodies, one of the popular bodies. And they didn't really look like a Ford Tempo, kind of. So what what I would do is, like, I'd get there and National Dragster would always have pictures of other cars. Like, let's say John Pugh did a, a Tempo. And I would just, like, it would be on the cover of National Dragster. So I'd put it on the hood and start taping out and just improvise. Exactly. Just kind of wing it. You never really had time to think about it. You just had to get it done. I wish I would have had more time, but it just that just wasn't the way it was. And Glenn will tell you the same thing. He'd just go down there and knock them out and get it down the road. That's all, you know, get it finished. I was but, always so impressed by you guys. You guys could take, a, like, a, a Trans Am body and make it either a Corvette, a Plymouth Arrow. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, <laughs> exactly, the Arrow. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Some of them, they got, they got simpler. I, I forget what it was. I remember the, la- the custom body I did. All I had to do is basically put squares on the front, like hidden light, hidden headlights. So I think, I think it was a Dodge. It was some of them were pretty cool, but that was the whole fun of it: airbrushing the, the headlights and the taillights, and you know the little emblems and stuff like that. If it was a Corvette or a Cutlass or something, it was always fun to do like little stuff like that. But you just had to do it quick. And now I, I I I hear myself talk, and I keep on saying quick, quick, quick. But the, it's the way it was. Like nowadays, like I see like these sign painters on instagram and they do these like unbelievable things like it's like a panel or something it also took them like two months to do the panel i'm talking like overnight stuff like real world stuff that's what i do i still do it with truck with truck lettering i like most of the stuff everybody sees that i put up that's basically in and out in a day or a day and a half you know depending on what it is if i do gold leaf i like to clear it the next day so basically the reason why it would be there for another half a morning 
you just got to move them out because these guys need their trucks and downtime is like that. They don't want to hear that. They got to make money, especially in New Jersey. It's just ridiculously expensive to live. So just like California. Yeah. I just did a tandem today for a guy and it was a pretty, pretty involved job, but I've gotten downtown. I've done about 35 of them for him. I think he dropped it off. Maybe it was at like eight o'clock. He called me by two o'clock and wanted it. And I was like, you could give me a little more time, man. And it was raining out, and that didn't help or anything. But I, by the time it left, it was like quarter to five, five. But so it didn't even sit a full eight hours, and it was gone. But I was used to that from the funny cars. That's basically been my whole life: a truck a day, get it in, get it out, and move on. Uh, with the motorcycles, I get a chance to, you know, they sit around. Don't sit around, but you get to work on them for a couple weeks. Kind of enjoy the process a little bit. Now, between the two, though, if you, I mean, if you look back at the funny car stuff, I'm sure a lot of the creativity that came out of that was just born out of necessity. Yeah. I mean, especially if yeah. you're flying and you're in the moment, you can yeah. do some really cool stuff. I mean, every now and then that happens. Like, I get that. Where if yep. I'm rushed, yeah. some of your best stuff comes out of that. You're most yeah. creative. Back and other against stuff, the wall. Yep. Back yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Other stuff sits and you, you kind of have time to get lazy or get kind of fat on it. I do that all the time. I I do that all the time. It's the craziest thing. Like you spend all this time on something, and then well, you you throw it up on social media because you want everybody. You want you want the feedback, and you know people just pass it by. Like God, I spend so much time on that, and then I'll do something, and I mean just like it pulls in, and I get a Stabilo pencil, and I do it, and everybody's loving it and commenting on it, and I'm like. And I try and figure out what the public likes by that because if I could figure that out, I, I think I would get more jobs in or something like that. It's, you it's can't, crazy. Though. I know. It's, and the funny thing is if you take that thing that flopped one day and yeah. two months later you repost it, it could be the greatest thing you ever did in your entire life. It, yes. It's so true. So true. I was just talking to uh, Steve Stanford about this. I was telling him he should bring back the dry brush strokes remember when he did that Heck yes and, oh yeah and i said to him i said it's it's been what what 25 30 years steve i said you should bring that back because there's probably the new set of people have never seen that and what will happen is everybody will copy it and before you know it it will be popular again that that was my take on it i just i thought that was interesting you don't really see it around i was like that's all it takes is for somebody to start doing something like that and it catches on it's kind of yeah, weird um, how it goes recycle um, yeah, a modern take on that, or uh, and I, I can't see really the whole neon heartbeat stripe coming. Yeah, no, that the no. grid heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. that was but right her- along with all that. But if you notice, <laughs> I just said dry brush. <laughs> Hold on, I'm erasing all my drawings of what I was going to do. My next yeah. Brad's putting away the the flexstone cans. Yeah, there you go. No heartbeats. Brad, you wearing Ashton's wash jeans today? Okay? <laughs> yeah. Oakley blade sunglasses with splatter paint all over them. Ocean yeah. Pacific t-shirt. Hell yeah. Absolutely. OPs all the way, man. All the so, way. That was such a good time though. I mean, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. When I got out of high school, I, I ruined I ruined a good section of the floor in my dad's garage by painting and never throwing down any kind of uh, you know, a tarp or any kind of masking or anything like that. Yeah, who did? <laughs> the splatter days. I always want to go back to that house and look and just see how well it held up over the years. Be like, oh, yeah, it still looks kind of candy purple. 
Yeah. It's come through all the uh, all the epoxy that's been put over. There's still these colors coming through. <laughs> yeah, those neon colors never die. Right? Oh, Such good days. So was- and, and and you've you've been through kind okay, you've watched so many trends come and go. Yeah. Now one sure. of the things we, we kinda talk about a lot between us as a group, right now there doesn't seem to be a really set emerging trend. A lot of it is kind of, you know, it's building off of other trends, which is yeah. kind of a natural progression. But yeah, we, we seem kind of, as far, you know, if you're a trendy guy, you're kind of in no man's land right now. Yeah, exactly. It kind of seems like anything goes these days. I don't, I don't know. There's just everybody's doing whatever. I don't know. Well, at least in sign painting, everybody's doing like a Euro look or something like that. It's, it's, it's all over the road, what I'm saying. Kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. It used to be you could, man, if you flipped open again, back to Signcraft. Yeah. If you showed me a scan of, you know, any issue, you could almost pinpoint the year that came out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's kind of funny how that went. It's like, oh, yeah, that was, that was you know, early spring of 92. Yep. I agree. I definitely agree. Now it's, I think maybe for what I do, there's less and less guys painting all these, all these guys that are doing computer graphics and raps and stuff are just grabbing a lot of clip art stuff, what's available. Not any one thing. It's anything that they can grab. So it doesn't put a timeline on anything right now. I guess we'll kind of look back at it now. And there's a lot of overdone stuff, most of it, with the, with the rap graphics. I guess it will be dated, but you won't know where it's from. But you'll know, oh, yeah, that's when the the raps were really, really big or something like that. There's some good guys doing it, but for the most part, there's not a lot of really cool stuff rap-wise or anything like that. I uh, We do a lot of color changes at my shop, mostly, you know, Audi, BMW, Mercedes kind of thing. It's all just one color, solid color changes, you know, doing satin colors and pearl colors and stuff like that. We don't, I don't do a ton of lettering wraps. I, I prefer to just, like, letter it. Like old school, I guess. So. so who's going to be the first guy to start airbrushing door lettering with like Plasti Dip? Uh, I've done, I, I've wrapped uh, trucks already and then lettered on top of it. I've letter, lettered on the, uh, the vinyl material. So oh, very cool. Actually, what it does is it gets a job in the door that the guy doesn't want to letter his truck, but then he finds that out. We'll wrap it a different color and then I'll letter it. I'll hand paint it all. And it sticks, too. Everybody thinks it doesn't stick. It sticks. Then when the guy's done with it, he just peels it off. I mean, it's a win situation. So I get the hand letter. We make money wrapping the vehicle. And the guy's happy all the way around. He gets to tear it off and move on when he gets rid of the car. And if he leased it, I don't think they can. Not too many guys are leasing trucks anymore. I don't, I don't know how that goes these days. But it's such a win-win situation. And it's fun to work on, especially like satin colors, like a satin pearl. And then you're using all gloss stuff. I'm not, I'm having fun with all that kind of stuff. Mixed media stuff. Very cool. What what is the most what's the most popular color the most common color you guys you know wrap a car with? Is there one that sticks out for you know per model? Like you get an Audi guy who's like oh, I gotta have burnt orange. Believe it or not, the most popular colors with all the cars, all the high end cars, it's been a satin pearl or not. Exactly a red, a little darker than a red, like I'd say like a blood red. For some reason, that's super popular. And white or black, believe it or not. I, I have a lot of guys that have white cars that change it to black and vice versa. 
and they could have any color on the planet. And I mean, they're putting out some really cool colors with this stuff. And there's very few people. We just did a Lexus and he, he put like leprechaun green on it and it looked ridiculous, but that's what he wanted. <laughs> it was like, it looked like candy pearl green and it was on a Lexus. That's what we're there for. Elvis loved red carpet and peanut butter and banana sandwiches. I don't know. You know? <laughs> it's, it's truth. I don't judge anybody. I just, I used to turn it away, especially like I got a lot of guys that get the new Corvettes and they want to pinstripe them. And I just don't think pinstriping should be on a Corvette. How I handle it is instead of turning away the job, I'll stripe it. But let's say if you have a, a black vet, I'll do it in a real dark gray and I'll accent the top edge all the way down. I'll, I'll convince the person pinstriping should be seen, not heard. When you walk up to it, it'll be there, but it's not going to stand out like, you know, you don't want to put silver on a black car, let's say. I do a lot of that, but I don't think really a vet should be striped, you know, the new ones. But I get a lot of that in there. Uh, last year, I think I did six or seven of them. It shocks me. You guys want to still stripe them. But it's the older crowd that's buying the Corvette, too, yeah, you know? Yeah. We see uh, that a lot out here. A lot of guys want their brand new vet flamed. I mean, like painted flamed. It's yeah. like, this car doesn't work with flames. No, that's what they want. Yeah. it's And I Ugh. think it's older guys buying this stuff. Right. And right. they never could have it when they were younger. Now they yeah. want it. Well, and, they want to throw every trend on their dream car. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't do it, though, they're going to go down the street and go somewhere that's right. else. Somebody will do that car. And that's what my wife said. You know, and then you get a reputation like, oh, I went there and... He didn't want to do what I wanted. And, you know, you don't want that getting around either. So you, you kind of like try and do it, but put a little, you know, make it classy as much as you can. Make yeah. them happy. And I've gotten a job that I didn't really like or think it was great, but I do my best on. And I've gotten probably more jobs on something like that than something I thought was just, I thought it was the best. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. weird how it works. You, know, you don't know what yeah. the public likes. Right. You definitely don't. You know, the bottom line is you definitely got to make money. You can't do it because you love it. You got to make money. But know. still, how cool would it be to be carried out on some throne by like four of your underlings? You know, just you wearing dark shades of beret and <laughs> like a cigarette holder. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, I will not paint your name on the car. And yeah. Shoo them off. And, yeah. And, and speaking of that, when's the last time you? Uh, when's the last time you lettered somebody? You know, lettered somebody's name, not on a race car. I'm saying uh -huh. on a regular street driver on the door underneath the window. Maybe a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, geez, it still gets done? That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, still do it. I just did a, uh, it was a little bit ago within in the year. Um, I did a lady and I painted a little, uh, I don't know, she had this bear holding the balloon. She was driving a, a four-wheel drive truck. She was in her 80s and she bought a brand new Tundra. She wanted this uh Kind of like a Grateful Dead dancing bear, but it wasn't with a balloon in its hand. Then she want she wanted her name on the on the truck, and uh, I I was like I was kind of shocked, but she was you know she was older and stuff, and she loved it so much she baked me like a this big like I don't know what it was like banana bread or something. It was, yeah. it was like, like a giant log, and it was it was cool to get yeah, that. That is you know? cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's takes still you out back there. to the old days. It meant a lot to her, obviously. Yeah. Oh great. my God! Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. I yeah. put it on my Instagram. It's somewhere on there. I took a picture of her, and she was just like thrilled to death. It was. It was a lot of fun. I was like, I guess she remembers back in the day that people put their names on it. You know, she's eighty years old. It seems like if you didn't have a dad that does that, now like kids like twenty five never seen that. 
because of vinyl and it, it totally disappeared in the world. It's still pretty alive and well where I am. Maybe not doing it as much, but it's still there. I, I used to get guys that come in and they'd want they want their name on on their side and their their girlfriend's name on the other. And I went, let's let's put them in the back window. No, no, I want them on the I want them on the door. It's like, yeah, okay, are you married yet? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, I'm. I'm yep. moment of death. I went. Let's just trust me. Just put it on the window. Nope, it's got to be painted. Two weeks later, they come back on. How do I get her name off the door? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that happens. That's a regular thing. I, I just had a guy today call me and he wanted uh, somebody airbrushed on his tank and he uh, on his motorcycle tank and he's like, so if you do this, I could get it off, right? I had to explain to him the process of clear coating over it and everything. He still wasn't getting it. You know, after all that, he decided, no, I don't want to do that because he couldn't take it off. So I don't know if, what he was thinking if it was we do disposable graphics, basically. I don't know. Oh, what if you did that? What if you opened Bert's Disposographics? Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. I'm there to do anything. Bring it all. Well, he saw the, he saw the guys that robbed the bank. You know, went around the corner, peeled all the paint off. And I want yeah. a paint job like that that we can just yeah. peel off when I'm yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The hard part is getting a really good fade with tempera paints, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, there's your plastic dip you were talking about, Brian. You just plastic dip the whole tank. And... Yeah. Well, have you seen these dudes? They, they paint full cars with this stuff now, and they get this super high gloss. At least it looks that way on YouTube. Yeah, that's I, I, I've seen some messy stuff happen with that, like <laughs> doing wheels. They can't get it off the wheels and stuff. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I see it a lot around here. You, you cruise through the parking lots. You're like, oh, somebody got into Plasti Dip. Yeah. My kids like thickness is measured with a yardstick. Yes. Yes. It's pretty bad. Yeah, if, you can, if you can almost float out an entire character line on a car. Yeah. <laughs> Hide a door gap. Yeah. yeah again, again, starting back at the beginning, you've worked with a variety of materials. Man. I mean, you, you've worked with like, you've probably worked with everything at this point. Yeah, I have. What was the hardest? Was was there one particular like evolution in your day to day process that was harder than another? Probably wrapping a vehicle, you know, because even though you got the material, you got it all set up, doesn't mean you're going to get it on the car the right way. Where paint, basically, I think if you you prep right and follow all the instructions, you have a, a fair a fair chance of doing a decent job. Wrapping a vehicle is like ridiculous some of the body lines and it's just for, for me it's it's hard and yeah, i'd struggle with that because i mean that stuff's got to have some memory yeah. to it i have a guy that does most of my stuff because he's just he's unbelievable he has no problem he's really calm person i've i've never seen him not once get like mad or anything he's he's a young kid he's he's only uh 26 27 years old and he just has a knack for it and he's just calm about it i mean that stuff is hard to handle it's really hard to handle and unfortunately they they're treating these guys that wrap cars it's kind of like they don't pay them well uh nobody pays these guys well it's just like oh yeah yeah you wrap cars and they pay them 15 bucks an hour and it's worth wow. a whole lot more than that i know that's not everybody you know for you know anybody listening out there i mean some <laughs> guys get paid well for it. it it's just like it doesn't seem to be respected yeah, they treat them like window tent guys, probably. Yeah, exactly, and it's yeah. like, and so it's a whole other art, man. Stuff, like, it is if you've never done it. Yeah, true. My guy was doing a um a Challenger. He was doing the the rear bumper, and it's all one piece, and that's the problem. Uh -huh. You know, you got to stretch that. You know, the the rear 
Challenger bumper, it stretches like the top and it wraps underneath. Try and get a piece of uh, that wrap material, not the curtain in the middle, like you're putting it on a bed and trying to stretch it so it so it's straight. And it's it's insane what you got to do. And you can't stretch the material too far because what happens is it has a memory and it wants to pull back after you got it on the car. It you know it might shrink up a little bit and then you got a problem because it comes undone. You, you got to really know what you're doing to do these things. There's a lot of good wrapping guys out there, and it looks like a paint job if they're really good. Because we disassemble the, you know, the whole vehicle when we do it. Basically, it's like painting the car. You know, we don't we don't cut around it with a razor blade. You know, we take it off. Crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Here I am talking about vinyl. Let's talk about paint. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's part of the. It's part of it. You know. It's, it is, and that's that's the outgrowth. And uh, I remember there was such a like there was kind of that weird two camp thing going on for a long time, when vinyl started to come in. A lot of the older guys were like, "Oh, I'll never touch vinyl. Vinyl yeah. is the antichrist, and blah blah blah. It's going to be the downfall of society." Yeah, it could have been because I mean there was some really bad vinyl. Oh yeah, there still is, you know. But you got <laughs> if you're going to do it like me, I like I'm just re- I refuse. I try and make my vinyl jobs like. They're a hand-painted job. I, I just don't want them to look generic. I mess with all the all the lettering. and I never just punch uh, a group of text out and peel it and slap it on a vehicle. I mess with everything. This way it's harder to copy. It, it just looks better. And I guess from being a, a, a hand painter, it's got that look. I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do an alphabet and scan it in. So it's something I did and no one else has, you know, something like that. I always want it to look, try and make it look custom, no matter what it is. Oh yeah, and, and that's that's that advantage of having done the hand, the hand stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like you can tell that, like even on in the art side, if somebody's done marker renderings and pencil drawings and everything like that, you can tell when that person's moved to digital where yeah. they came from. Yeah, for sure. And that's it's really like, cool that you're out there. You've got the advantage to make your own fonts. Yeah. Do your own lettering, man. It's so much better than going like, well, you get drunken cowboy number seven. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'm totally into the custom, no matter what it is. I mean, we we do some pretty nice stuff. Um, We do some stuff for uh, BMW North America and they're pretty open. And a lot of it's a lot of it's pretty cool, even though it's it's wrapped vinyl stuff. We get to do some pretty neat stuff. We just did a, a car for the uh, um, Knights hockey team. Yeah, it was a, a BMW 850i. It was like a satin charcoal, and then it had, I forget what they call it. It was like, it was like a mirror gold, but we put stripes on it, and then we put their logos on. And it, it sounds a little hokey, but it actually looked pretty cool. It's like all interesting projects like that we get to do. We did, uh, I forget what museum it was in, in uh, New York. We did a, for the David Bowie exhibit, we we did a car up for the, for BMW for that. It was on display for a week. And I did some stuff with some shoe designers from, I forget what countries they were from. And they designed these shoes. And then I had to do some graphics to match the shoes. I just recently put that up on my Instagram. Just stuff like that. It's pretty interesting stuff sometimes what you get to do, even though it's vinyl. No, no, it's, it's just another material. I yeah, mean, exactly. If everybody wouldn't be like, I know, like there's a lot of all these hardcore, if anybody's going to be hardcore, it's going to be me with paint. I've been doing it so long, but 
if you just open your mind up a little bit, it's it, it doesn't have to look like just because it's vinyl, it doesn't have to look like a cheap vinyl job. You can get some cool results. I'm sure you guys have seen some cool stuff at like the SEMA show, like really neat what they do with the vinyl. But Oh, yeah, I've been lucky to be part of some of that stuff, and yeah. it's really neat to see one of your designs. We did that with a uh, one of those Toyota FRS models, and when I originally designed it, I was thinking, oh, this is all going to be paint. And when they came in with the vinyl guys, and I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to pull this off. And yeah. it was so badass. Yeah. It's, and watching it's, these guys like overlay stuff, and they're like peeling off this fine line tape from underneath, and it's cutting it like a razor. Oh, and yeah, that's the, the razor tape. Uh, God, that's, that's cool. The invention of that, the guy who, who invented that, that stuff's amazing because you used to have to cut on the car before that. And now, basically, you lay it down just like you're doing a paint job, and then you, you pull it up and – it's it's unbelievable what you could do with it. You could do just about anything with it. So we use that all the time. I know? would still screw it up. It would look like some <laughs> orangutan came in there and tore yeah. paper up. <laughs> Worst edges ever. Yeah, no, it's they're pretty. It's pretty foolproof if you get the the stuff down. It's like a rip cord. You just you just. Oh, they haven't met me. Yeah, I felt that way in the beginning, but it, it, it's it's kind of worked out kind of nice. If that kind of stuff's available, you can you can do some cool things with it. The design I did for that car I'm talking about for the Las Vegas uh, nights, I I hand sketched it. It was it was just a crude hand sketch, nothing finished. BMW of North America giving the thumbs up and doing it. You always think it's got to be like super corporate, you know, suit and tie kind of thing. That's not the way it is all the time. Sometimes it's you know just getting the job done. And the time frame they need it, and you know, you know how to work the materials. I wish you'd have pitched, unless you did. Did you pitch like maybe knocking one of the teeth out of the grill just to make uh, it really? But if I would have thought of that, where were you then? <laughs> <laughs> I was busy picking up my fingertips that I cut off with all that razor tape. Design last minute stuff is some of your best stuff. You know, when I'm when I'm painting with a brush, it's like instead of taking a left, you take a right, and it comes out way better. With vinyl, it's, vinyl's final. That's the problem with it. True. Yeah, I'm trying to do my part and keep the paint stuff alive. Seems to be a. Everybody thinks it's like the uh, where where I am. It's it's no different than anywhere else. You just got to sell it. You know, someone comes in, they see you're working on a gold leaf job, and it's like, oh man, I like that. And then you say, yeah, well, we could do that for you. And before you know it, his truck's in there, and you're doing it. I've had like I won't mention the guy's name, but he's from Chicago, and he's a uh, very I guess respected sign painter. He he writes for Signcraft magazine, and I met him a couple years ago in Cincinnati at this Letterheads event. And he came up to me and he pulled me aside and he's like, "Let me ask you one question. How are you getting these jobs?" He's like, "It's totally disappeared where I am." And I was like, "You just got to tell people you're doing it. That's all. I'm not doing anything different." He's amazed that I'm still hand painting trucks. This guy is like known for hand painting. He's known all over the place and he was dead serious with me. And then he just said to me, he's like, well, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. That was kind of cool, but kind of sad that uh, there's nothing. I guess he's, I don't know if he's given up on the trade or whatever. I don't think he's given up. He's just, he's convinced himself that the work isn't out there anymore. I think what's going on though is you're seeing a shift into that almost that weird marketing kind of mindset. Uh, it's almost like multi-level marketing that people fall into where you, you go out there and you thieve everything you can from someone else's like way of doing things. Truth, yeah. And I think that's what people want. They want that super easy step. So it's like, well, what are you doing different? 
Yeah. Like, well, I'm just I'm doing what I do every day, and people like it, so they they come back and they bring their yeah. friends. Yeah. And that that kind of answered my question. That was really one of the next questions I did have for you. I was like, how do you do you advertise at all, or are you just strictly no. word of mouth? Word of mouth. I've always been word of mouth. I don't practice what I preach. I have my little truck lettered <laughs> up, but I a lot of I take the lettering off and on, and that the lettering on my truck and my wife gets down on me for this is vinyl at the moment. It was a little custom painted up and everything, and it, someone plowed into it, got it fixed, and then I painted some stuff for uh, Orange County Choppers when they when they uh, they did their new show last year. The guy doing all the filming, and I got to be friends with him. He said, "Look," he goes you got to letter up your truck. It wasn't lettered. He goes, because I'm going to shoot this all for the TV. And he goes, you want to get maximum advertising on it. So I slapped some vinyl on it real quick. It does come in handy for some stuff, um, which is which is kind of cool. It does it does the job, but I basically don't do any advertising at all. And if you've seen where my place is, it's basically, my place is in a residential area too, but it's grandfathered. It's like, it's probably like 10 businesses there. And it's a block in from the main road. And you really have to know where you're going. You're not passing by my shop unless you're coming to see me. Full word of mouth, basically. But I probably have probably 75-80% repeat. That's Very it. cool. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I've had a lot of my customers are 20, 25, 30, 30 years they've been coming to me. I just try and treat everybody fair and do a real nice job. I like that. Like I see some of these guys, they, they do all kinds of cool stuff for their place, but just basically always being busy you don't you tend not to do any stuff for yourself that's the problem brad is your truck painted up you have your your truck lettered up well it's lettered all up yeah it's got it's got an old paint job on it but it's it's there's no vinyl on it so are you saying i gotta uh i'm saying you gotta fix your truck truck, man i've been i've been actually thinking of i love the astro vans i put something up on instagram today about it um I just seen the uh, those Mercedes Metris um, vans. They're called. They're kind of got the same proportions as those. I'm getting the Van Jones again to get one of them things and like lower it and put some nice wheels on it and like paint it up really cool. It would probably be nuts because no one does that where I am anyway, and it would probably get a lot of attention because I did that in 1991. I did an Astro van. I painted it purple and white and i guess for 91 purple was like a crazy color for it oh yeah and what i also did was i you know now that i think of it it was kind of crazy but i had billet specialties make me a custom set of wheels for the van and at the time if you guys remember 17s were like the biggest wheel which is funny now when you think of it (laughs) and i put 17s on a van and I had uh, Corvette tires on it. Uh, they were wide on the back. And I, I had the, I put a roll pan in it and the pipes coming through, you know, the center, like, a, like on a Porsche. It rode around my lettering on my van. It was purple and white and it was maybe two inches high to the back. And I got more jobs off of that vehicle than anything I've ever owned. And my name was only two inches high on the thing. But it was just a crazy looking truck. It was it was lowered and it had billets on it and no one's seen that. And that's what I'm thinking like for this, this new van, you know, it's like bring that back around, recycle again. Cause you don't see nothing like that around here or anyway, maybe in California you still do. Is that, is that right, Brad? Like, not sometimes. Very, not very often. Yeah. 
Yeah. Really? Sometimes you'll see like an old, you know, truck that was done in like 92 or 94, old guy driving it, and it's yeah. exactly the way it was back then. It's pretty badass. Like, I, I think they're trying to bring back the Boyd stuff. Like, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boyd has a yeah. lot of their old model wheels that are coming right, back. Yeah. Also. yeah. Yeah. And I, I seen uh, Instagram, Coddington, he has one of the old trucks. It's like a silver, silver and white paint job, I think, with some magenta graphics. And, he just cut bigger billets for it and slammed it to the ground, and the thing looks great. And it's like, you know, whatever, how how many years ago? Twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. When they were when they were really big, when that when that hit with all the Chevy uh, pickups, everybody was doing. Yeah, um, that's one of those timeless designs, though. Oh it, it, God, yeah. I love that era. Yeah, I'm the same guy, though, if you came to me today and you're like, come up with lettering for our car show. I want to do some kind of a cool, you know, like a slab font with, you know, maybe a slant to it and do sure. some cool script cutting off the lower third just because that era just looks right to me. I know? agree. Yeah, so an exciting to do this time. yeah absolutely. I, I love that era. Yeah. You know, all that Boyd stuff. I, maybe you know, from like, what, 88 to about 94, it was just kicking. Man, it was yeah. so awesome. I, I remember Dennis Rickliffs used to bring me all over California to meet everybody, and he brought me to Boyd's. And I remember Chip Foose uh, was he had like this little, um, I guess, office or whatever his his room where he designed. I forget what year it was. It he was, started there in '92. I was working at I was working at Dick Vale's the custom shop next door. Yeah, yeah. Did and, he have a window at that time? No, yeah. he didn't. <laughs> well, not really. where i seen where, where i seen chip was uh all i know is he had he had a walk upstairs and he had all his drawings on a slant on the wall and when i was up there he's like oh you want to see some more and he had all flat files and he just started opening up the flat files and breaking out all his drawings and like from school and stuff and i was like i was like busy you know i was like oh my god this is this is crazy but you know i have uh Dennis Rickliffe's to thank for that because he was doing, you know, painting for those guys. I seen some of the coolest stuff that Chip broke out there. Really, really neat stuff. I was lucky to experience all that kind of stuff too. Dennis, Dennis took me everywhere, everywhere. You know, I, you guys know him, right? Brad, you yeah. know him. Yeah. 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 So, and I met him through Letter in a Race Car. I, when I did Scott Coletta's race car, it, he crashed it in um, California and Dennis had to repair it and he called me up asked me what I did, and he's like, hey, if you're ever out here, come on out here, uh, and I'll take you around. So uh, for a while, I was stopping there before I went to the SEMA show, and uh, Dennis would give us a tour of any place we wanted to go, and everybody loved Dennis. So you get right in any any place. It, it was so cool. And, was, and he knows where all the good places to eat are at, too. Does he? he knows <laughs> oh, yeah. Good places. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't been out there in a long time. I have to hit him up. He took me to Stanford's. I think one of the first times and we go over there and he's painting, he's drawing in the back of that little, uh, trailer in yep, at yep. Santini's. It was like the coolest time. I, I remember going there and again, Steve too, he breaks out all his drawings. He starts showing us all this stuff that never saw the light of day in any magazines or anything. I remember just trying to buy one thing off of Steve and he wouldn't, he wouldn't sell nothing. He told me there were all his babies. I, I was just like, I was just, my mind was blown. And then Steve's like, Hey, he's like, what are you guys doing later? He's like, you want to go to a car show? And I, I forget where it was. It was somewhere around there. We all hopped in his, uh, I think he had a, a slammed caddy at the time. I think that's what it was. It was tan. 
And I just remember it was it was a pretty cold night for California. He's cruising and, you know, he had his hand hanging out the window. It was like dragging on the ground. The car was so low. It, it was just like I couldn't believe I was in Steve Stanford's car hanging out with him and everything. <laughs> so we hung out with him and, you know, just being around him. He's a cool dude. We, we got all done. And he's like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow morning at six o'clock in the morning? I was like, what, what are you talking about? So we went to uh, the derelict donuts thing. He goes, meet me here. So we went down there and I meet him and he was, I'll never forget. He was wearing like this chiffon yellow cardigan sweater the way i saw him the night before i'm like steve i said you went back and drew all night didn't you and he started laughing he's like yeah i never went to sleep he was just like a diehard guy so cool and so we met him over there and we hung out with him uh it was just a lot of fun i got to do a lot of cool stuff because of uh dennis rickliffs neat neat dude great pinstriper too Dennis Dennis brought me under his wing. We tag teamed a lot of things over the years. I owe that guy a lot. He has been a great, yeah. great friend. Yeah. Ever do any uh, Schwinn bicycles? Well, when you did all those? I oh, was, my God. I was the one cool. doing them with him. Yeah, because I, I remember I came into California one night, and um, he was over at, uh, I think it was Pete and Jake's. No, no it wasn't Pete and Jake's. It was, um, what was SoCal? Yeah, SoCal, yeah. SoCal Speed Show. And he was in the back, and those garages in the back. Right. And it was like this little spotlight on, and I and we walked up, and he's pinstriping uh, the Schwinn bicycles. They look like gas tanks they had on them. It was like a little spotlight on them. It's, it's dark. I don't even know how Dennis was seeing. And he was taking it. It was like a jig, and he would stripe one side. He'd spin it, stripe the other, and he would meet up perfect. And it was like his lines are like, you, you guys know, and that like, one of the best straight line pinstriper. I was just like, oh my God. And while we're sitting there watching him, he's just striping away like it was nothing. Like he was like he was part of a machine. It was so cool to see him do that. Where we did the where we did the frames was probably about ten miles east of there. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, we did I think we did I don't know, thirty eight hundred of them. He told me at one time he what what he was doing. I was like, Oh my God, that was it was unbelievable. I'll never forget that. Dennis, Dennis has done some cool, cool stuff. De definitely uh, for anybody that wants to see some really cool stuff, he's the guy, and he's so humble too. You know. Yep. It's so, I guess yeah, that's you guys did all those bikes at what a buck a pop, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those were days. I made three really days. Those dumb things. It was kind of stupid. I I almost felt guilty. Almost. <laughs> I'd like to be doing those boats you're doing, Brad. All those, oh, those cool dude, boats. <laughs> my back wishes you were doing those boats that I did. <laughs> I think I, I've done maybe two or three of them in, in my career. One was my brother-in-law's, and he took me out on it and scared the hell out of me in it. Those things are crazy. Really, really uh, like flat bottom. I think I just posted that, too. I don't know if you've seen it. It was called Smoke on the Water. thing was wild. Oh, I don't think I saw that. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I did one last week. I got to go back out and do another one, and then I got another one right behind that one. So, I, I hear you with the pinstriping. That can that could hurt after a while because you're. Oh. You know what you got to do? You got to go to the gym. That will help you out because you got you got to get your course get get it nice and strong. And this way, when you're 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 basically at that weird position where you're hoovering over the body of that thing. You're well, trying. But to I just I hate doing boats. Boats, you know, like if you're doing trucks, you're looking at something that's vertical. It's easy. Yeah. Boats, you're leaning over the whole yep. time. Whether you're lettering it straight, you're always bent over. So it's like yeah. every five minutes you're trying to stretch out, going, okay, this just hurts. And it's 
it's never been fun. Yeah, and then you, then you go then you go home and you're in pain all weekend from yeah. from stripe. And I I used to go through that with the race cars because they were so low down. You were always bent over. I I pro probably my twenties and thirties I had like heavy back pain because of it. And as soon as I stopped doing race cars, I've never had back pain ever since, which is which is kind of crazy. But those were the days, though. You know, yeah, don't, just don't climb on the floor anymore. You'll be fine. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, well, speaking of boats and race cars, yeah. we'll, we'll go boats first. What it? What is in all of your lettering years? What is the best name? What's the name that for a boat that sticks out in your mind the most? Either one of you guys. This will be great. Mm. <laughs> I I didn't do it, but one that sticks out to me is Shot in the Dark. It was a flat bottom boat, I think, right nice. from California. You guys yeah, know? that was that was uh, who drove shot in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that boat. Boat wise, it would be more offshore boats for me. There was one called Jesse James that was pretty cool. Glenn lettered it up, did a really cool job on it. The the offshore boats out this way were always sponsored by somebody, so a lot of them didn't have names. It was more like a sponsorship. I uh, I got a, the the best name, but I'm not going to say it on here. <laughs> When when we're not recording, I will tell you because it was a name that he thought it would be awesome if you said it when you were drunk. <laughs> yeah, great. Because yeah. <laughs> I always like that when you go by a pier and there's always like there's always one boat out there at the very least that it's like wet dream. You know, like, yeah, oh, yeah. No. like the standard. Oh. Yeah, out here they wind wet. Yeah, boats out here aren't really that. Boats are all vinyl now. No one hand pan paints a boat unless you do like a crisp craft. Really? Everything's all vinyl now? Yeah, all all the boats are vinyl. Man, I letter boats constantly. That's just a really? regular oh man, they don't want vinyl. They want paint on the back of their oh, I wish you I want you to airbrush and do your little ragged thing that you just think, okay, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's here. so cool, dude. Yeah. Now here it's either if you if you do Chris Craft, th- those are really nice boats, so they usually want gold leaf on them. As far as paint with boats, I don't think anybody knows what it is anymore here. You don't you don't paint a boat. You put vinyl, vinyl stickers on it. I was just always wonder if there's one that like if somebody came in and like, can you letter this? And you're like, in the name, oh, you're like, I don't know if I can put that name on anything. Uh, there's been a few times, but more more uh, offensive, more. I, I can't remember. All I've things. had stuff that I, well, I would never write anything. I'm not going to put the F bomb on anything. I, yeah. I would never write anything where I, I always looked at it. It's like, if somebody's grandma sees that, I don't want them to go, yeah. who uh, did this? And, oh, Brad did that. I don't ever want anybody. I don't want any grandmas mad at me. So I never did that kind of stuff. You know, I put the occasional middle finger or something. Yeah. A little bit of fun, but I was never going to just completely cross that line and just get completely offensive with it. It's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. Yeah, it's one thing to hide, like, you know, a phallus in something. It's yeah. a whole other thing to have, you know, a 12 letter word. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's got my name on it when it's all done. I'm yeah, me neither. I see a lot of guys on Instagram selling stuff like that. They're, they do saw blades and, yeah. Uh, you know, just they paint like stuff like that. And supposedly it's for like a bar room or whatever. But it's, it's really stuff that's like they're just selling it because of what it says on it, you know? And not not for because it's done nicely. There's a couple guys like that out there that do that stuff. I'm I'm not into that stuff. 
why don't we why don't we set up an art show? We we do just super high end art, but with the most like boring words. It's just like all prepositions. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Bert Quimby presents the word two. Two. Be yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I could draw a pretty good two. <laughs> two, two or two. All yeah. and the number two. <laughs> so yeah. four times. All variations. That'd be great. Prep oh, this big preposition variations. Oh, dude, this is gonna be the greatest show ever. Let's get, let's get working on this. Of course, you're going to have a bunch of lettering guys that will never show up because they didn't do well in English. So they're not going to know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to have it spelled your. Your. <laughs> your invited. Ah, oh, shit. But hey, I know it's getting late by you. I don't want to take hey. too much of your time, man. Hey, man. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but to stay basically in shape, I hit the gym six days a week. I basically try and take care of myself a little bit. I don't know about you guys, but... Well, I get out of bed six out of the seven days a week. Hey. Yeah. Hey. No. Uh, I, I, I do spin class. I don't know if you know what that is. I do that oh, twice. Yeah. I do that two times a week, and I do it at 5 o'clock in the morning before I go to work. Some some loud rock and roll and just cranking on the bike and put in, like, about 15 miles. And uh, I had a physical therapist that got me so into riding the bike, and, and I ended up buying my own for home. So, yeah, yeah that, that's, like, the greatest stress reliever ever. Is it a Peloton? Did you get the Peloton? I did not. I, yeah. I'm I'm broke just, as shit. Just, so. Yeah, I like doing it with it with people. That's why I go to the gym. So it motivates me. I got to get up and go. You know, or else I probably wouldn't hop on the bike if it was sitting in the you know in my room. So See, but, I'd be like all like the video game road rash. I'd have to have like a baseball <laughs> bat with maybe knocking the guys next to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, for what we do, you know, just like Brad said, he's. You know, get a sore back all the time, you know. I just try try and, like, you know, do some exercises, strengthen the core and a little weight lifting and stuff like that. So it keeps you in shape a little bit, keeps you oiled and lubricated and all that. Yeah. Dang it, now I feel bad about myself. Thanks a lot, Bert. I was doing great. <laughs> and Brad's sitting here with his feet up on the ottoman, cracking yeah. open as his third, like, you know, his yeah. third hamburger of the night. Yeah. I'm sitting here drinking uh, water and eating apple wedges. It's <laughs> right. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, thank you. Thanks for yes. sharing stories. Yeah, fun. Cool. Yeah. I guess I made it through, right? You did. You did good, man. You did great. All we got left is the spelling test. So Yeah. Well, I'm out then. <laughs> the physical challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. The physical challenge. Well, yeah. you told you well, goes yeah, to the, yeah. yeah, we set the barrier. We set the marker so it's not real high. Yeah. Yeah. If you can actually walk, dude, you're good, man. It's before we hang up too. Uh, for our guests out there, where can they find you online, sir? Right on Instagram, Facebook, Facebook. Um, I'm on both uh, Burke Graphics. But on Instagram, I'm on there the most. I I post uh, the most current stuff. Uh, Burke Graphics, B E R T underscore Graphics, G R A P H I X. And on Facebook, I'm under my name, Burt Quimby, or I'm under Burt Graphics. But I'm not really uh, putting too much stuff on there these days. I'm more Instagram. Thank you again, Burt, very much. Yeah, for yeah on thanks, here. man. That was fun. Good to talk to you all, you guys. Yeah. Really good to you talk well. to you finally, man. All right. Have a great evening. Hey, you too, man. Too. All right, man. You guys. Bye. Bye. Well, man, that was uh, it's awesome to finally have Burt on. Bert on, yep. Bert on the podcast. <laughs> that, that that sounded weird. It was awesome to have Bert on. 
Oh, I had bird on once, like bird flu. Yeah. Too bad Ernie couldn't have been on, but you know, getting burnt by himself was was good. <laughs> <laughs> now, but it was great. I followed his work for a, a number of years, and it was great to finally get a chance to talk to him. Definitely, he he was one of the guys that, as, as a teenager, meant I I mimicked and emulated his stuff. At least I tried to. Let's be let's be honest here. You know, there's there's only one Bert, and. Uh, I used to give it such a shot, man. And I would look forward, like I said, flipping through. Like, Seincraft was like the Bible. I used to love when that magazine would come out. And it was tough to, it was tough to wait for that sometimes, you know? What's, what's cool is there's two guys, well, even, even Glenn. And I've texted Glenn a bunch of times over the years. And, but like Bert, you know, we've talked, we've talked before and, and, uh, and Todd Hansen was on there and, and all these different guys that, you know, watching that magazine back when I first started getting it in 86, they're just friends of mine. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's a little, it's a little mind boggling. And it's, it's messed up to think that like so many of these big guys are just people we know now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet I mean, you think about unattainable. Just, it, just our whole industry. You think about people that you read about and, and, and now there's just people you talk to, you know. <laughs> it's crazy, and like even here we are, you know. I mean, growing up, it was like circus paint. Oh man, that that's those are like the gods of funny car paint. And I would have never thought as as a young kid, I was like, man, it, this this dude, this Bert Quimby guy's, he's just so awesome. And one night I'll be like, well, yeah, we'll we'll sit down, we'll have a talk with him. Cool. Yeah, he's one of the guys I'll you talk to. Bert. Yeah. What's up, man? It's so weird, and it was really cool to talk to him, too, about the evolution of stuff. I mean, going from, you know, the heyday of the, the craziest paint shop in the universe to, you know, doing color changes on BMWs. And and to see a guy who's not only kind of gone through that, but excelled at it every step of the way. And I think that there's a lesson in talent there. You know, I think I think it goes way beyond perseverance. That's that's talent and love for what you do. That mm-hmm. was really cool to have him on to hear him talk about that. Yeah, that was like that was kind of the kick in the ass I needed this week. I'm sorry to me to cut you off, man. No, no, I was just commenting, basically saying the same thing. It's it's cool how you could do something for that many years and still enjoy it. That's 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 great. I was I was laughing, Brian. Listening to the thing going as far as editing going, pff, he's just talking, man. This is easy. <laughs> he just there's not a lot of hemming and hawing. He's just telling the story. You go, yep. This is the shit that's easy to do because he's just telling the story. You go, okay, run, go. Yeah, and and here here's a note for future guests. I mean, I hope you guys know by now the the podcast has never been. We don't like that whole Q and A stuff. It, that was never our purpose with this. And I think we kind of fell into a good deal where we've had really great guests. And when guests come on, we want we want everybody to feel really comfortable. And, you know, Bert had never done this before. And I know, Brad, you were talking earlier. You said, oh, he's having, you know, it's, you know we're, we're talking about it and getting close to it. And when everybody gets on, I don't think we've had a nervous guest yet. Did you get my <laughs> text I just, I just sent you guys? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I'll, I'll shoot him a text tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah, it's a little late there. Oh, but... God, I refuse to read it. 
Okay. I'm, I want to make sure that this is at five o'clock. So at five o five, when he gets warmed up and he's on his bike, I'm just going to get pounded in with text. <laughs> where he has to stop pedaling and go, "Who is this?" <laughs> you let me know when you're doing it. We'll tag team the shit out oh, of this. Oh god, I'll do it. I'll do it as soon as I get up, man. Absolutely. I mean, How, how's the ride going? <laughs> Here's what we need to do. Let's put him on a group text, and all three of us just start conversing with each other. Okay. <laughs> I wonder, wonder if Bert's riding the bike right now. I bet you Bert's riding the bike. What kind of bike did he say he got? Oh, he got one of those. Oh, that's pretty badass. Check this out. And we'll start <laughs> sharing where we find was the it bike. Was it a Benetton or a Peloton? What kind of a ton was it? <laughs> then he said Pelican. I, I guess it wasn't sure what they kind of... What is that? Curious fish. He should, he should be pretty swamped ass about now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's a great idea, Brian. Let's, let's do that. Let's make it a group test. <laughs> Just keep fucking with it. <laughs> we'll make those our Instagram posts for the next week. Nothing but screen grabs. Of them. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Dude. He's such a cool dude. Just, just a uh, man. I, that that guy's uh he's a time capsule unto himself. That's amazing. God, dude. And again, that, that weird interconnection between things. You know, he's out there doing funny cars. He's talking about Youngblood. And you go back and Carson's connection with Youngblood. And, you know, your connections in here with, with Dennis. And it, dude, it's so weird. Well, thanks again for, uh, for tuning in here to the Round Six podcast, uh, episode 59. Yeah, thanks again to our guest, uh, Bert Quimby of Bert Graphics. Probably one of the uh, one of my biggest heroes in the the lettering and graphic world. No offense, Brad. No, it's okay. Uh, At least he knows how to do a drop shadow. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe he knows how to uh, you know host a podcast next week, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 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 It was really cool to have him on and, and talk history and uh, state of the uh, the industry. Just a really cool guy. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, as always, uh, this episode has been brought to you by our good friends over at Trailer Tug. Uh, it's the world's strongest trailer dolly. Uh, if you get a chance, go check them out at trailertug.com. As always, listeners of the podcast get 10% off their order if they call in or use the promo code ROUND6 at checkout. Thanks again to uh, those guys over there for their continued support. We couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, at the end of this episode, man, I am a, uh, I'm a neon heartbeat kind of Brian. I'm, uh, I'm drenched in lead-based paint, Brad. And I'm vinyl wrapped, Alex. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you guys weren't going to use the boom. <laughs> I was deliberately thinking I'm not doing it this week, so I was like, "He's got one lined up." Uh... <laughs> and that's a wrap. Uh, oh, nice! Good job, Alex. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, and be sure to keep up with us gearheads over on our website at www.round6pod.com. And if you'd like to, we invite you to follow along with us over on Facebook, Instagram, and be sure to check out all of our latest videos on youtube.com. <laughs>